Good morning. Welcome to week three of the Wisdom of Proverbs. If you read the first few chapters of Proverbs, you may notice that wisdom is, this, is depicted as she in the Bible. And the ladies go, yes, it's about time we got a little bit of credit around here. But before we get too proud of ourselves, remember that not all women are wise, just as not all men are wise either. Lady Wisdom's purpose is to call out to anyone who is willing to learn from her and to help you live a godly life, whether you are a man or a woman. Let's start in chapter 8 and read verses 1 to 5. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. The fact that wisdom is portrayed as a lady and the author of Proverbs as a father is not random. Proverbs are laid out in such a way that the reader can associate them with father, fatherly and motherly instruction. Now, how many of us, of a certain age, I'm sure, have heard our mother's words, come inside, it's time for supper, or calling out from the back door, come home, get in here, it's getting dark. At that point, you had a choice. You could obey and come home, or you could defy and stay away. Most of us knew better than to defy our mothers, especially when she said, wait till your, your father gets home we knew that we could get into big trouble. It's funny to me that verse 4 says, I raise my voice, because it reminds me of how my mother would raise her voice when us kids were fighting, and we fought a lot. One time she threw a slipper at us to get our attention, and we, as we saw the slipper coming, we ducked into the bedroom, shut the door real fast, and she threw that slipper so hard it put a hole in the door. And she left that hole in the door for quite some time just to remind us. My question is, how loud does wisdom have to yell before we will listen? Most, par most of us respect our parents' instruction, at least now we do. And most parents want the best that they can do for their children. But when I was 14, I ran away from home because I was afraid of my father. I didn't just simply run to a friend's house or run down the road. I ran far, far away. By the time the police found me a month later, I was half starved, and I had no place to go and no one to turn to. I did not trust my parents, and I chose to defy them. My parents weren't perfect, obviously, but they had more sense than I did at that time. The Bible is the story of God, and God is all about relationships, family, love, and trust. When we defy our parents and turn our back on their wisdom, whether it be godly or earthly wisdom, we usually end up in trouble. Even more so when God has given us divine instruction and we defy or ignore that. 
We can choose to defy God and go our own way, taking the chance that we will end up with no place to go and no one to help, or we can listen to God and take Lady Wisdom's instruction, just as she calls out, as a loving and wise parent. Wisdom is an attribute of God. That's where it comes from. We've already heard that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, meaning reverence, respect, and yes, even fear. Francis Chan says there's a reason that the Bible calls it fear. God can do anything he wants. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he knows what you're going to do before you do it. So yes, it's good to have some fear of the Lord, but reverential fear, not a run-away-from-him fear. Fear of the Lord protects you. It's as simple as that. So when, the wise, when, when wisdom calls, the wise will listen and go the right way. Proverbs chapter one, chapters 1 to 9 are the introduction to the beginning of wisdom that helps us understand godly wisdom's qualities and godly wisdom's benefits so that we can develop the fear of the Lord. Yeah, I know, nine chapters is a long introduction. And I was going to say something about Pastor Jetty's long introductions, but I changed my mind. In Proverbs 8, okay, we learn about wisdom's qualities and wisdom's benefits. So let's go to verses 6 to 11. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my mouth, I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning of all of, to discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. In Proverbs 8, we learn about wisdom's qualities and wisdom's benefits. So first, we look at wisdom's qualities. We can probably all agree that wisdom is good, fair, just, and sensible, right? Most of all, it's valuable. In, in verses 10 to 11, we see that wisdom is a treasure. It said wisdom is a treasure. But that's, and that's okay, but why is it such a treasure? Well, let's go back to 6 and 7, where it says, Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. So who wouldn't want trustworthiness, rightness, and truth? It's so valuable, more than anything. It's such a treasure. Its value exceeds material wealth so much that you must actually have wisdom in order to appreciate the wealth that you do have. You go, what? Just think about it. Think about all the working-class people that you've heard about on TV and so on, never had much, and they suddenly have won millions on the lottery. And you go, good for them. 
but they didn't know how to handle all this newfound wealth and responsibility, and they lost it all because of unwise decisions. We think the opposite of wise is unwise or foolish. But just think about how many people live in ignorance. And I'm not using the word as an insult. I'm just saying they are not aware. They don't know. I heard a preacher at Beulah Camp this week who reminded me of something that I should have known, that I should remember, that people out there, he said, people out there live hard lives. They don't know any different. They don't have all the information they need. So they live by reactions and feelings rather than by godly wisdom. They have no constants in their lives. They have no direction in their lives. They cast about until something sticks and they think that's the right direction. I've been there. I remember that. It's called living in the flesh, right? I'm not saying that feelings are sinful. I'm just saying that feelings and circumstances change from day to day, minute to minute, and that makes them not trustworthy. And then there are the people who think they are being wise because they are either too proud or too afraid to admit that they don't have all the answers. They think that they control their own fate, but in reality, fate controls them. It's called being foolish. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the foolishness of God being wiser than the wisdom of men. He was referring to the cross, yes, God's plan of redemption for humanity. The wisdom of men says the cross says that the cross is foolishness. It says, no, you have to follow all the rules just perfectly in order to be saved. What do you think? Paul taught that the rules that they followed were only given to show us our sin and our desperate need for a Savior. So the cross was the only way to be redeemed from our sins. Sadly, some people would rather still rather follow the wisdom of men rather than the foolishness of God. When I became a believer, this passage and another passage really stuck with me. This passage that I just read, and the one where the crowds were, were listening to the hard teachings of Jesus, and they suddenly got up and left. They couldn't handle the hard truth. They didn't understand his parables. And I can just imagine that Jesus turned to his 12 disciples standing there alone, and he said, will you also leave me? And one of them spoke up and said, Lord, you have the words of life. Where else would we go? And that still chokes me up to this day. What that says to me is that if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Amen? Excuse me, sorry. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, says, uh, Moses says to the nation of Israel, I set before you life and death. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. 
And he goes on to say, listen to the voice of the Lord and hold fast because the Lord is your life. You have a choice, he says. You can keep living in ignorance and the way your sinful hearts lead you to live and reap the consequences. Or you can live godly lives and become God's beloved children and reap all the benefits that go with that. That's not a hard choice, is it, church? Later on, Joshua said to the people, and you've heard this, I know you have, you do what you think you should, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Good for you. Verse 13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Conversely, if you love evil, you lose your life because wisdom cannot live in a body enslaved to sin. So the second quality of wisdom is success. Wisdom can also be described as artistry or the developing of skills as you work at your craft. Your most important craft and mine is the, in this life is to become like Jesus. Paul wrote that we now have the mind of Christ. Did you know that? We have the mind of Christ. Now we need to develop it. Proverbs 8, 10, and 11 urges us to receive Lady Wisdom's instruction so that she can perform her artistry in us. She performs it through her teachings, discipline, and speaking truth to our mistakes. And yeah, that's kind of hard sometimes. But if you want to learn a craft, for instance, like playing the piano or sewing or painting, you get an instructor and you do what your instructor tells you to do. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes a whole lot of patience and, of course, learning from your mistakes. Finally, after a long time, if you don't give up, you gain success. If you want to become like Jesus and me, we have to yield to wisdom's teaching. That is our discipline. That is our goal as followers of Christ. There's no secret to finding wisdom. There's no searching for her. Verses 2 and 3 says she is widely available everywhere. You don't have to go to the store. She's not only in the church. She's not only in the Christian bookstore or online. Wisdom is found everywhere, whether, wherever there is a choice to be made between right and wrong. Choose life. Third quality of wisdom, it is God-given. Wisdom is a gift from God, and you can ask for it. Isn't that amazing? It's like Christmas. James 1.5 says that if you need wisdom, ask our generous, generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not withhold it. He won't say, no, you don't deserve it. It's given out of God's grace, his unmerited favor. Such a blessing. But that doesn't mean that God will touch you with a magic wand and poof, you will be made wise. God expects some effort on our part. This means reading and studying your Bible, 
regularly and communication with God regularly and trusting God as Pastor Scott has already pointed out. Let's go to verse 12, and 18, 12 to 18. I, wisdom, well, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. The second point about wisdom is wisdom has benefits. Benefits are defined as advantages, bonuses, gains, gifts, grace, and for this application, divine assistance. Who wouldn't want benefits in their lives? One of the benefits of wisdom is integrity. Everyone wants to be known as someone with integrity, right? Integrity can be described as being honest, truthful, honorable, reliable, upright, faultless, and just or fair. These qualities are of greater value than anything else, anything that you could buy. Incidentally, these are just some of the qualities that Jesus possesses. Have you ever gone to a job interview and the employer asked you, what is the best thing that you could say about yourself? That's always a fun question. Um, okay, I arrive on time. That's expected. I don't take long breaks. I don't steal from my employers. That's nice. These things are already expected. But if you can honestly say that you have integrity, you can almost be sure that you will be successful. Unless you want to go to work, go to work for the mob. Integrity means dependability, availability, trustworthiness, insight. insight. Verse, tell, verse 18 tells us that people in power will listen to you. They'll listen to you. Wealth and prosperity will follow you, and you will be successful. In order to obtain these qualities and benefits, you have to be willing to receive instruction from Lady Wisdom. Verse 8 says, none of Lady Wisdom's instructions can be crooked or perverse or wrong or foolish. Well, that's great, but why is that? Well, let me ask you this. Where do these instructions come from? They come from God, who is never wrong. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But first, let's go to verse 12. Wisdom goes hand in hand, hand in hand with prudence or good, good judgment. Prudence and good judgment. Think about this for a second. Godly wisdom is counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. That should not be a surprise to believers in Jesus because the Christian life itself is countercultural. It goes against every selfish 
instinct and intuition that we were born with. Many people, even those with high intelligence, live according to whatever their instinct and intuition tells them. They assume that their instincts are right. Sadly, maybe that's why so many policemen have shot unarmed people. For other people, if their instinct tells them to hate someone, they'll hate them. For others, if their instinct, tell, instinct tells them that this stranger in a bar is someone they can go home with, they'll do that. Instinct and intuition can also be described as what? Living by the flesh. Good for you. Doing whatever the sinful nature wants you to do. And when I think about the way that I used to live before I knew Jesus Christ, it was like playing Russian roulette every day of my life. Intuition and instinct, along with human reasoning, may give you an answer to this question, should I do that? But it may not be the right answer. I heard Charles Stanley on the radio a couple weeks ago talking about the biblical laws of sowing and reaping. It is a divine law. He said, you cannot sow to the flesh and reap in the spirit. You cannot sow to the flesh and reap in the spirit. In other words, you cannot do what your flesh wants you to do and expect to grow into the image of Christ or expect God to bless it. He may use it to teach you, but it won't be easy. I'll guarantee you that. By the way, people who live by the flesh don't need our judgment. They don't need that. They need a good father that they can trust and rely on and who loves them. When I was 14, I was a runaway. I was lost and I was spiritually lost for 28 years after that. But God stored away my painful experiences and used them to bring me into his kingdom and draw me close to him as my good father. Verses 12 to 13 describe discretion and knowledge. With wisdom, we can recognize the difference between order and chaos. God keeps order. The devil is the father of lies and chaos. Those who live without godly wisdom have no way to see around corners. They have no way to see the consequences of their actions, like teenagers. And if they do look, they may just ignore it. Ignore the warning signs and do what they want to do anyway. What if you were given the chance to travel all around the world, all expenses paid, no time constraints, and you could bring anyone, as many friends along, along as you wanted. Sound pretty good? Sound good? Sound too good to be true? Yeah. <laughs> you know what they say. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't true. These days, most people are aware of the scams that exist, and I hope that no one here has been a victim of any of those. But there are many, many different kinds of scams that go on in our world, and the spiritual kind is the worst. But wisdom brings assurance. 
once you obtain godly wisdom, it is guaranteed to work. Every time. No scams. Why is that? Because God is never wrong. God will never lead you down the wrong path. It's just not in his nature. Verse 14 says, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. To, that, to, to us, that means God's counsel never fails. Isaiah 14, uh, 40, 13 says, Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? No one knows more than God. And then there's power. When I say power, I don't mean the power to control people or lord it over anyone. Remember the people that live their lives unaware that could be any different or any better? They are ignorant of the gospel. They don't know. But God knows. God knows things that you and I don't know. God has the power to change lives, and he will use your life and my life to do that if we make ourselves available. Who's willing to do that? Thank you. A couple people. Just checking. God can empower anyone to live a godly life. God can give rulers the wisdom they need to govern over us. Solomon prayed for wisdom instead of more wealth, and God gave him both, wisdom and wealth. And I know right now that some of you may be thinking that our current government could be a little wiser. True. But so could we. Maybe we should try praying for a little wisdom. Amen? <laughs> Godly power enables us to use the wealth and prosperity that we do have to bless others. Remember God's promise to Abraham to bless him and make him a blessing to all nations. We have that same inheritance. And remember that Jesus told us if we seek the kingdom of God first, all these things that we need will be what? Given to us. Thank you. Using what God gave us to empower others. Okay, God gives us, gives us wisdom. God gives us things. God gives us money. We use those things to empower others to live godly lives. That brings us all into the circle. It, comes, it, it has us coming full circle, which is glorifying to God. Amen? All that we've heard today seems like a lot to take in. Sorry, Doug, you can go next to the next one. But none of us, none of us have ever, have ever acquired wisdom all at once. It's something that is learned by being willing to listen. It's a choice to make. We can ask for it or we can reject it. It's developed over time, like a discipline or artistry. It's more valuable than any material wealth. And most of all, it begins with reverential fear of the Lord. One more thing. And it's very important to know this. Wisdom brings freedom. Not worldly freedom that says you can do anything you want and it'll be okay. 
but a freedom to know that with God you are making the right choice, freeing your mind and your conscience. Amen? I have a confession to make. I have watched every episode of The Big Bang Theory at least once, probably a couple times or more. Now, as Pastor Scott would say, please don't judge me. I just think it's hilarious. In one episode, Sheldon decides that his time is too, too valuable to be wasted on making tri trivial daily decisions. He thinks that by using a pair of dice to make his daily decisions, it'll free up his mind to work on the more important things like scientific theories. He would rather think about those than what to have for breakfast. Unfortunately, the dice does not work in his favor, and he ends up at the mercy of fate, which has him eating something he doesn't like and not being allowed to go to the bathroom. That's pretty foolish, right? But how many people do live their lives controlled by the whims of fate instead of the wisdom of God? With wisdom comes freedom because there's no more guesswork. You can be sure. There is no more casting about, no, no more fear of making the wrong decision. It's freedom that comes when you no longer have to pretend that you are fine when you're not, or, or your life is perfect when it's not. Wisdom frees us to be the people that God made us to be. And I, for one, am so grateful for that. Wisdom, remember, is truth. Jesus said, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So listen to wisdom, and you will be free. God is calling each one of us. He's not given up on anyone. He's watching, he's calling every one of us into a deeper relationship with him. A relationship of love, truth, freedom, and wisdom. Let me pray for you. Father, like Solomon who asked for wisdom, we ask for wisdom too, but we know we need help. We can't do this on our own. We need help each and every day. And we are grateful that your, your mercy is new every morning. We ask your Holy Spirit to teach us, to develop us, to help us understand just how valuable your wisdom really is so that we can go out and be your light on earth and lead others into your light, into the light of Jesus. We thank you what you are doing among us. We thank you for, the, for your blessings on this church. In Jesus' name, amen.